0: What's up everyone's seven Octobers welcome to my podcast nightmare on Sedgwick Avenue this is season four episode four today I'm excited to introduce our um, guest I've been wanting to um, interview him he goes by Jonathan Barkan he's a director producer of mental health and horror documentary that should be releasing soon we'll get to that in a minute. Uh ask him about that when uh when it's estimated to be released all that, but I was really excited when I saw this documentary uh being released. Uh, they had a Kickstarter. I actually like go ahead, went ahead and like donated some money as well because I was really like excited about this project. I'm really passionate about those two topics, horror and mental health. Me, I deal with anxiety as you've been following my journey, you know, this and I'm a huge horror fan. So to see this come to fruition it's pretty dope and without further ado i'll bring on jonathan on the screen here hello jonathan hello hey thank you for uh for taking the time to like meet with me and you know talk about your documentary and all that so i obviously introduced you but feel free to like let people know who you are what you do and you know how how you got into this industry
1: yeah uh so my name is jonathan barkan i've been a lifelong horror fan since very, very early in in my life, uh, I cut my teeth on, you know, staying up past my bedtime to watch Tales from the Crypt. Uh, I was playing Castlevania on the Nintendo on Friday the 13th, yes. uh, reading EC Comics. Um, yeah, it, horror has always been something that I've gravitated towards, and getting into the film industry was actually an interesting path. I started out as the music editor for bloodydisgusting.com and then i i was with that website for over seven years i when i left i was the managing editor of the website working underneath uh, directly underneath brad miska and then i transitioned over to being the managing editor of dreadcentral.com and that's when they were acquired by epic pictures and epic uh kind of brought me into their team as well Mm -hmm. to assist them with Film acquisitions, and so uh, I started. I, I became a creature of two worlds. I was a writer and an editor and a critic, mm-hmm. and I was also doing acquisitions and kind of helping strategize distribution plans. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of got the opportunity to make that my focus, and 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 that's that's what I did. I I work now exclusively in film acquisitions and distribution, and also uh, film sales. Both to, uh, you know, with SVOD licensing to companies like Shutter and Netflix, um, as well as international sales. So that's, very cool. that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of my my journey over, uh, gosh, thirteen years yeah. in in this industry, and in terms of the documentary itself, I'd, I've always been someone who's very open about my own mental illnesses and my mental struggles. Mm-hmm. And horror has always been a place that has offered me catharsis and safety. And I've seen that with a lot of the people that I've spoken with, other people in the community. And so this documentary idea was in my head for quite a while. And then one day I was speaking with my executive producer, Andrew Hawkins, Mm -hmm. uh, and I kind of broached the idea to him and he said, we're going to make this happen. We're going to do this. And yeah. in my mind, I was like, okay, you know, you know every, everyone says that. And then three <laughs> months later, we had a team, we had made the announcement, we launched the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, this is real. This yeah. is happening. <laughs> so it's, it's been this absolutely whirlwind journey, but one that has been so rewarding and so incredible and so humbling in yeah. so many different ways. Because I've been able to speak with incredible people from around the world who have offered their thoughts and insights on this topic. And yeah, they're just the stories that are out there are really powerful and really incredible. And knowing and experiencing how they've helped me, I can only just wait on pins and needles for the rest of the world to see what yeah. we got to
0: experience <laughs> yeah it's like a perfect timing too because i feel like it, mental health is like one of those topics that people are talking about more like before it was kind of like a taboo and then horror too like yeah. it's always been that you know that stepchild that that genre that nobody really, really liked or understood <laughs> but like now it's like both are like very up you know like horror is probably one of the, the most popular genres right now so it's kind of cool to see yeah
1: that. yeah and you know we it, it was funny, you know, through a lot of the interviews, one of the recurring statements that we kept hearing was, I wish I had something like this when I was growing up, when yes. I was younger. And and I was thinking to myself, it would have been amazing, but at the same time, we didn't have the language nor the interest in having those kind of open and honest discussions about mental mm-hmm. health, yeah. much less talking about the ways that horror can help people. Yeah. So had this been made when, when we were kids, it would have just, it would have vanished. It would have disappeared because no one would be open to discussing that. And I think, sure. you know, now is, is the right time. And it, and I'm constantly reminded of that old saying, um, you know, the, the best time to do uh, something, you know, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time to plant a tree is right now. Yeah. So if, if, If by making this, we are creating something that will help future generations, then it is absolutely worth it. And if this will inspire other filmmakers and other horror fans to tackle this subject from their perspective and with their focus, then all the better. This is something that we should see more of. I'm hoping that mental health and horror eventually just becomes one of dozens of documentaries on the topic. That that would be the most amazing thing.
0: Yeah, that would be really cool. And kind of going back to you a little bit, as far as like you said, obviously you started off as as a music editor and all that and like a critic. How did uh, you transition from there to like, you know, directing and producing? Like I've seen like, uh, I saw your IMDB that you obviously done other like films produced, but how did that, how did you get into that?
1: So... One of the, you know, I'm a very <laughs> honest and transparent person in in a lot of ways. And so I'm going to yeah. tell you a very uh, funny, and I wouldn't call it dirty, but yeah. uh, a, a silly little secret yeah. about uh, distribution uh-huh. is that um, some distributors, and it's not something that... Uh, I've necessarily been a part of until recently, but some distributors will say, hey, we're distributing your film. We need three executive producer credits mm-hmm. uh, or something. Like that. So so they yeah. they get the title uh-huh. by distributing the film. So okay. that's kind of where, where I've been. But um, over the years, I've actually been doing a lot of. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to put it. I guess you could say script coverage uh, where basically people would send me scripts, I would read through it and I would give them my honest feedback and it would be mm, okay. pretty pretty intense, you know, constructive criticism. Uh, but I always told people, you know, uh, my job in reading through your script and, script and giving ideas is I'm going to be uh, the a-hole. I'm going to be the bad guy. But that's because... I see the potential of what you've got and I want you to reach that that potential. So yeah. rather than than softball it, I'm gonna give you the hard notes and the kind of the painful ideas, you know, telling you to kill off these darlings and rewrite this and adjust this. I'm gonna give you all of that so that the in the end you look at the script and you go, This is better. This is going to be more marketable. It's going to be scarier. It's going to have a better story. It's going to flow. You know, everything about it is going to be better than what it was. And did that experience of hearing all those criticisms suck? Yes. Is this better as a result? Also, yes. And so that's also where I'm helping some people in terms of producing is kind of making sure that I give them my informed feedback as someone who has been, one, a fan for my whole life, but two, approached it as a critic, as someone who needs to think about things critically and understand the foundations of filmmaking. By having that knowledge and applying it towards the genre that I have so much passion and love for, Yeah, that's when you can kind of marry the two worlds and create something really special.
0: That's pretty cool, and obviously you have like a good like you know track record of what you you mentioned. You worked at Dread Central, Bloody Disgusting, all that. How did um uh, how did all that get started? Like, obviously you're a fan, but did you go to school for that, or how did you how did you get into that? That's pretty cool.
1: Well. Yeah, you know, in a way, I, I went to school. What happened is, I went to my local community college, and I got a certificate in music production and engineering. I always thought that I'd be the guy behind the mixing board That's in cool. uh in music studios, uh-huh. uh, because my other big passion and love is music. I mean, I've got I've got my guitar. I've been playing for for many yeah. many years. I was that kid that I had a little cheap keyboard, and yeah. when movies would play, I'd be lying on my stomach on the on the floor yeah. and just trying to play out the melodies as I listened to it. Um, so music was always a big part of me. And then one day when I went to Bloody Disgusting, I, they premiered a music video. I think it was for the band Suicide Silence. Mm-hmm. And I went, whoa, Bloody Disgusting is covering music now? <laughs> I need to get in on this. So I sent a message to the author of um, of that post, mm-hmm. not knowing that it was the co-founder of the website. Yeah. And I um, And I said, hey, Here's who I am. I've been coming to Bloody Disgusting for I don't even know how long. Uh-huh. Um, I have formal training in in music studies. Like I'm a musician and I've studied production and engineering, mixing, all of that. Um, and I'm also, you know, you guys cover mainly rock and metal. I'm a huge rock and metal head, as well as a horror music fan. Mm-hmm. Let me write for you. And They and they got back to me and said, How about two album reviews a month? We'll start there. And I said, Not a problem, absolutely. And with that, um, with that newfound power and (laughs) kind of uh permission, I went to every single record label I could think of and I said, I'm doing album reviews for bloodydisgusting.com, the number one website for all things horror. This is an audience that you may not have tapped into. Why don't you send me uh you know, streaming links of albums, mm-hmm. and I'll review and I'll do reviews for you. And these labels were getting back to me saying, Yes, we love this. This is incredible. By the way, on top of doing a review, do you want to do a giveaway of a guitar on your website? And I was like, Well, yes, of course, I I want to do that. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then they were like, By the way, this band is coming to your neck of the woods. Do you want to do a backstage interview? And I was like, of course, I want to do that. <laughs> and, and then they were like, they were getting me uh, all access passes to uh, music festivals like the uh, rockstar mayhem and, uh, and all of those. So I was hanging out backstage with Corey Taylor from Slipknot and Rob zombie and Kirk Hammett uh, and all these people. So I just kind of, I was given the opportunity of writing a couple of album reviews a month and I just took it and started providing a ton of content for them. And so I gained their trust by just doing a lot of really great work yeah. uh, without, without trying to sound arrogant. Yeah. but um, Like I, I put in a lot of hard work. I put in the, the time and the dedication. And then I, and and by being a part of the bloody disgusting ecosystem, I was connected with the writers for the other sections for comics, video games, TV, mm-hmm. movies. And so I would reach out and say, Hey, I have an idea. Can I, put something together for you to look over and if you like it you can post it in your section. So for example I did you know the 10 best horror themed South Park episodes. That was one of my <laughs> early forays into the front page and it did really well. And then I did some stuff for video games. And as the site evolved and we were able to rather than writers being kind of pigeonholed into their sections,
0: mm-hmm.
1: we were then we were then able to start working together in a better way and when i say that we were pigeonholed it's simply because of the back end of bloody disgusting and what it was at the time and then as it evolved into a new back end more opportunities arose and so yeah i just kind of i asked if i could do things i was given permission and i kind of really dove headfirst into those opportunities and because of that then i started getting i was reached out to by by the heads of bloody disgusting who Mm -hmm. started giving me more interesting opportunities like i was able to represent them at uh, fantasia film festival in 2013 mm-hmm. and i visited the set of don't breathe which that's was cool. funny because i live very i live very close to detroit and they flew me to budapest in hungary where in a sound stage they built a recreation of detroit houses <laughs> yeah. I was like you flew me from detroit airport to go to a place that looks like detroit why couldn't we have just done this in detroit, detroit. <laughs> so that's
0: funny <laughs> um
1: so, yeah, that's kind of how I I evolved there. And because of those opportunities, because of going to festivals, because of going to markets, because of going to sets, mm-hmm. um, I was able to start networking with a lot of really incredible people, writers from other websites, producers, directors, just getting to to know these people. And yeah. then reconnecting with them at festivals when we would see their films or, you know, at premieres or things like that. So it, this journey kind of just naturally seemed to open up doors and opportunities to doing more than writing. Yeah. Um, and, and that was always something that really appealed to me. I'm very much the kind of person that I love working with a team. And I love helping uplift others. So by going into these different avenues, I get to apply that mindset in different ways.
0: Yeah, that's pretty inspiring. Just it took like that one email, you know, to like open all these opportunities, yeah. right?
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, one one uh, private message through through Bloody Disgusting's website yeah. messaging system, and thirteen years later, here I am.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, and now to get back on track too, with the with the documentary Mental Health and Horror, how did how did yeah. that come about? You mentioned it a brief little bit in the beginning, but um, you said you're passionate about like mental illness, like. Is that something you're passionate because you uh deal with it as well? And if so, like I don't know if you can yep. speak a little bit about that and how the documentary came to be.
1: Yeah, so I mean I have for for lack of a better way of putting it, and as I've described on some other podcasts, I had a, a pretty rough childhood. It wasn't it wasn't anything like a a dangerous home or a violent home or anything like that. If anything quite to the contrary. It's just that there were a lot of very traumatic events mm-hmm. that that happened and they were prolonged and they had very major impacts on kind of the, the person that I that I was and that I needed to be and that I also wasn't allowed to be. I wasn't really allowed to be just a carefree child because there was so much going on that I needed to be mature and thoughtful and respectful of everything that was going around. So i I basically had to grow up very quickly Mm -hmm. um and and that definitely had its own toll um i'm I'm sure that because of those events there's some lingering uh ptsd Mm -hmm. that that needs to be addressed but i've also been diagnosed with clinical depression um and i have had my own spates of of anxiety and yeah uh so I, i i live with my own mental illnesses and and mental struggles and and as i said you know horror was from a very young age a a safe place it was somewhere where i could put a face to the monsters of what was happening around me where i could see those monsters defeated uh where i could see people fight to survive that's what i always tell people you know i i don't watch horror to see people die I watch horror to see people fight to survive.
0: Yeah. That's pretty deep.
1: Um and and then it's just it's such a fun and inventive genre. It's you know, it's a place where imaginations can run wild and and that always appealed to me. So um so with my own mental illnesses and with my love of horror and knowing how it helped me, mm-hmm. I I kind of I remember one day um my wife was interviewed for the uh for Shudder's Queer for Fear, although I don't know that was very, very, very early on mm-hmm. in the uh production of that and I know that some things have changed. I don't know if she'll appear, hopefully, fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. But um but so she was, you know, on set doing the doing the interview and I was and then when she was done, we stood together behind the cameras and watched another person do an interview. Mm-hmm. And and that was when I kind of I kind of had that lightning bolt where this idea that I had been playing with that had been percolating for for years, it suddenly came to a a, a point where I was like, I know what what this is i i suddenly have a vision and so i'm the kind of person that i almost always carry like a a little journal
0: yeah <laughs> with me
1: and, and a pen and so i went to the corner of the soundstage and i just started furiously scribbling down ideas you know here are guests that i want to uh interview here are resources that i know of and here are places that i can go to get more resources uh facts that i need to gather like everything it was work that i needed to do uh and just everything that i could get my that i could think of pouring out into this into this journal and i went home typed it all up in google docs started adding to it um produced more information and yeah it was and then i kind of held on to it for a little while and spoke with a few people about it who were like, no, this is this is a really amazing idea, and I think yeah, you should you should make this happen. And then I started talking with Andrew uh, Andrew Hawkins, my executive producer, who was a part of Creator VC and helped with the In Search of Darkness okay. documentaries. And so I knew that he had experience in in this world, and I just one day on Twitter was like, hey, do you have a few minutes? I, I I'd love to get your thoughts on something. And I sent him the Google Doc that I'd made. And 20 minutes later, he messaged me back saying, get on a zoom call with me right now. (laughs) And we hopped on and he was like, this has to be made like, there's no other way around it. This is so necessary and so important. And this was also within the first six months of, um, no, it had to be a little bit longer, uh, six months to a year Mm -hmm. of the, um, of the pandemic. So okay. the world was already in this really difficult place, and yeah. there was already there were already signs of how people were reacting to the trauma of of a pandemic, of the world being shut down, of yeah. of ten, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, if not a million cases in a day, and and thousands of people dying daily. It, it was this incredibly traumatic period, and so it felt right. To try and find a way to take this this pain, this collective pain that we were all experiencing and find an outlet, find a way for people to discuss it openly and and release these kinds of emotions that they that they have within them.
0: Yeah. And how long did it take you guys? Because it, it's already done, right? It's is it like completed? Or are you guys done no, the stages of the still... We're still
1: we're still shooting a few more interviews okay. um, and then and then we're going into post-production. But our goal is to have the finished film uh, at the end of this year and okay. hit the film festival circuit pretty hard mm-hmm. starting in spring of next year. Because once the film is done, we still have to send it through legal, send it to quality, make mm-hmm. sure that we've got all our documentation in order. There's so many parts mm-hmm. of making a film that people don't think about and don't realize. Yeah. But Yeah. Once you, once you finish shooting it, you still have to edit it. And once you edit it, then you still have to score it and color correct. And, and there's so many little aspects mm-hmm. that have a huge impact. And then when you're done, as I said, you've got to, you know, the, the copyright, you've got to make sure the legal is in order. Uh, There's, just a dozen different things that all need to be put together. But uh, that's the thing. Like we, we know exactly how we're going to go about it. We have the plan. We, we know step-by-step how it's going to move forward. So we're not concerned. We're not worried in that regard. Our main goal right now is just to make sure that we put together something that we are a really proud of and B helps people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so this you guys started filming what like in was it in 2020 or is it a little bit after 2020
1: uh so we started shooting it actually last year in 2021 okay um yeah we we announced last year and started shooting throughout summer and had to do a few trips uh mm-hmm. to to get some of the interviews you know i i had to fly out to la uh and we also went up to santa monica to do some interviews and then we also did a very 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 short trip like 40 hours Mm -hmm. i want to say in uh new york city and then about a week in london uh and yeah just kind of because we we realized that this is something that it's not just we didn't want this to be just American voices talking about this. We know yeah. that this is something that ha- that affects people globally. So we wanted to try yeah. and get people from around the world and different perspectives, different you know ethnicities and religions and gender identities and and sexual orientations and and everything. It was all very very important for us to really hear from everyone because the horror community is vast and yeah. it doesn't it, it doesn't discriminate. Uh, and as a result, I wanted to make sure that as much as possible, within the limitations that we have, as many people from the horror community could see themselves yeah. in this documentary.
0: That's pretty awesome. Uh, just hearing about it, I was like, I would love to even see the behind the scenes, you know, like a documentary within a documentary.
1: <laughs> I wish, I wish we'd be able right? to do it. So much of it was done remotely that yeah. it would literally just be like a camera here of me in the chair going. Oh.
0: <laughs> and uh, I know you mentioned obviously like what you hope for this documentary to hope, hopefully open the doors for like other documentaries like this, but what else do you want like the viewers to take from it?
1: You know, it's, there are, from the beginning, there have been two goals with this documentary. Um, One is very cliche, but I'm kind of okay with it. You know, I want that kid in the middle of nowhere who doesn't have access to good mental health resources and may not have people in their community that enjoy horror the way that they do. Mm -hmm. I want them to know that they're not alone. And, And when I had that goal in mind, I I realized I I had to sit with it and do some introspection. And I realized that it can't just be a white boy in the middle of nowhere. It has to be anyone, you know, a, you know, a black disabled queer woman or a transgender, you know, Latino kid or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever, anyone, it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter they have to be able to see themselves in some way. Yeah. So that from the very beginning, before we even shot a single interview, that was something that we were considering. The second goal is having been a horror fan my whole life and having, you know, pretty at times open-minded, but also at times very conservative minded parents, horror was always something they didn't understand and they were afraid of and they were scared of. And then you have, the tipper gores and the tucker carlsons who point a finger at the genre anytime something goes bad because rather than you know look at the actual cause let's find a scapegoat let's put all of our energy into a scapegoat and horror has been the scapegoat for a lot of people for a long time and and i'm tired of playing defensively when it comes to those discussions because if if you think of it just In terms of numbers, very logically, in terms of numbers, when you have a pundit who points the finger at horror, say a million people, a million followers, believe it. I could spend years and years and years and years of my life trying to convince them otherwise. And at best, I'll get 50%. So 500,000 people say, you know what, maybe horror isn't the problem, but 500,000 people still believe it. And in that time, those pundits are going to keep pointing to horror as a problem thereby adding to the people who believe that it's an issue and the people who believe it's an issue are going to use their platforms to tell others and it's it could be on social media it could be at you know parent-teacher conferences it could be wherever they're going to say horror is dangerous and it is life-threatening and we have to stop it so rather than than act defensively i want this documentary in a way to be used offensively to say horror is not an issue and we have medical professionals we have therapists we have psychologists we have psychotherapists we have researchers who have done studies that point to how horror can help people we have the facts we have the evidence-based arguments and if you want to disagree with that go ahead, but you're going to have to put in the work. You're going to have to put in the effort to say, this is why horror is actually damaging people rather than just throwing it out there and going, you know, horror is bad. And I'm, I'm going to cover my ears and I'm not going to uh, yeah. hear anything else. You're going to tell me that horror is bad. Prove it to me. Just like I am putting in the work here to prove that for some people, it can be a very powerful tool for recovery and for safety.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, lo- I love that. And um, kind of to kind of goes into my next question a little bit. Like for you, obviously, horror is one of the things that's been like cathartic to you. What other things do you do for your mental health? Like, what's something that you do?
1: So yeah, horror is is a big one. Um, video games are also a really kind of safe place for me, um, and and horror video games as well. Like I i am a huge silent hill fan and that series is not shy about yeah. how openly it talks about uh trauma and, and mental illnesses and the ways that that can manifest a very specific reality around <laughs> us um and then just kind of I mean, obviously there's the, the, the healthy things one can do go for a walk. I like taking my dog for a walk around the neighborhood at night. Yeah. Um, I like surrounding myself with the things that bring me, bring me happiness and joy. I, I, I am a big, a big part of my aesthetic is going to be uh no, nope, wrong side. There we go. Uh, jack-o'-lanterns <laughs> and <Yeah>. uh, pumpkins. <laughs> I love that. So if I can have, you know, little, little things like that all around me, I'm yeah. going to do that because it puts yeah. a smile on my face. Um, but yeah i think it's putting in the work through through therapy through self-care um if if necessary through medication um you know i'm not i'm not someone who is ashamed when i need to be on medication and i Mm -hmm. don't think anyone else should be i don't think of it as a weakness of anything i think of it as a tool to assist in recovery yeah. I think therapy is very much the same thing. No one should be as- ashamed of seeing a therapist or a psychiatrist or anything like that. If anything, um, being that vulnerable and that honest is really empowering and really beautiful. So yeah, that's I guess that's kind of the approach that I have and what I try and do for myself.
0: Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, I'm pretty sure other people like you know have have the same thing that they deal with, and finding different outlets is a good thing. Um, and then kind of to ask you too, like, what's your favorite like top five like horror films? If you had to choose, what would be your top five?
1: Oh wow! Um, <laughs> so this is an I will say these. <laughs> And under the understanding that it is an ever-evolving list, it changes literally day yeah. to day to day. Yeah. <laughs> um but the ones that like really jump out to me, The Shining, um I classify this as a horror film, but it's also like 75 different genres in one movie. But Big Trouble in Little China yeah. <laughs> is one of my absolute favorites. Um Clyde Barker's Lord of Illusions and Nightbreed, both of those, oh, yeah, are, those. are 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 really incredible. Um The Hitcher is weirdly a yeah. very big comfort film for me. There was a time when it was a movie that I fell asleep to mm-hmm. and when I put in the DVD player it would just repeat, you know, it would get to the main menu, cycle the the main menu 3 4 times and then it would just start the movie. So yeah. I'd fall asleep to it and I'd wake up to it. Yeah. Um and then yeah, other ones that kind of jump out obviously the thing um you know, Halloween. I I loved uh, I love Halloween 2018 and I really loved Halloween kills I was one of those yeah. guys um <laughs> but I thought it was just such a blast I had such yeah. a good time with it um I'm trying to think what else I'm looking I've got my my DVDs here and my blu-rays here yeah. um and yeah I I think you know those are the ones that kind of immediately jump out to me but I, I just I I love horror anywhere yeah. from around the world, domestically, independent, big budget. It doesn't matter. If you make a really interesting and exciting horror film, then I'm I'm all for it.
0: That's cool. Yeah, I I love Nightbreed. Yeah, that's one of my favorite ones too. Um, and I was gonna say like, what's your favorite like sub genre in horror?
1: Oh, um, wow. I'm not sure. Um. Because they're amazing the titles t- in every subgenre. <laughs> it really does, yeah. Right? <laughs> because you know, I th- I think of like found found footage and like Blair Witch Project and Gunjom Haunted Asylum are just, you know, masterpieces. I think of Slashers and something like Popcorn immediately comes yeah. to mind. Um, haunted house movies are are so exciting and thrilling. You know, anything from the changeling to the conjuring, um, and yeah then then obviously there is the creature features the yeah that you know the blob uh the remake is <laughs> is fantastic and the thing like i said yeah. um really i i was never I, there are very very few subgenres that i dislike the only real one that i just have a hard time with that i i don't want anything i i just i don't like that one is the rape revenge. Oh
0: yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's pretty hard to watch for me too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and the thing is I, I don't discount it for the other people who love it. Like one of my, uh, one of my producers, BJ Colangelo mm-hmm. uh, is, you know, has written absolutely incredible and beautiful introspective pieces about the, the rape revenge subgenre that really put it into an amazing context for me and -hmm. while i appreciate the context i just don't want to partake in it
0: yeah (laughs) yeah um and what's like what's your favorite who would you say your favorite final girl is and who is your favorite like horror villain
1: favorite final girl um maybe ripley i think i think she would definitely be be high up there, especially if we're looking at the the first three alien films. Because I'm I'm a diehard Alien 3 fan. I think Alien, <laughs> Aliens, and Alien 3, like they're they're all on the same like yeah. same level. You know, they're they're very, very, very close to one another in terms of my enjoyment and appreciation. Um favorite villain. You know, I I've probably gotta this this is a an answer that I'm sure you've gotten more than a few times and it's perfect for uh for the for your show. Uh Freddie, it's my yeah. first horror memory yeah. really is um you know, nightmare four, Freddie bursting through the waterbed yeah. and pulling Joey underneath. Um so I, I think that's you know that's definitely uh you know, he's he's definitely up there.
0: Yeah, he's definitely, yeah. What I like about him is I remember watching a documentary about it and how he was like the first villain to actually speak because we always got like Michael Myers, Jason, but then he was like the one that was like witty with his like lines and stuff like that. So I think that was pretty cool. Um, Yeah. And what uh, what do you feel about like the horror genre right now? Like, obviously, it's like I said, it's kind of one of the the number one genres. Like, how do you feel about the newer films? Like, I feel like it's being you know, innovative, but what, what are your thoughts on it?
1: I love it. Um, part of my, due to my job in, in acquisitions and distribution, I get to watch a lot of movies, uh, especially from the independent film circuit. And yeah. the the next generation of, uh, of horror writers and directors are doing really amazing and wonderful things. And they're trying to be really creative and really kind of inventive, Um, you know, I I think of a movie like Relic from Natalie, Erica James, and that is both terrifying and it had me crying uh, pretty heavily because I watched it six months after my grandmother passed away and she passed away from dementia. And so it just, it hits all of the right notes. Um, And yeah, I think filmmakers are doing really fascinating Incredible things, and because horror is suddenly—I wouldn't say suddenly, but it, it really is—we are in a golden age of horror, where there is a lot more horror appreciation, and there is a lot more experimentation being done with it. I—I I think that it's there. Never has there's never been a better time to be a horror fan, and mm-hmm. I can't wait to see where it goes from here. It, the it can it can only go up i mean even if the the popularity aspect of it dies down and it goes back to being something that is for for a very specific audience and it loses its mass appeal mm-hmm. there's still going to be really amazing things done and and people will take chances people will look at what's being done in the past, what's being done now. And they will use that to say, how can I create something new and exciting? I mean, without trying to sound self-serving, mm-hmm. um, a film that I acquired recently played at Fantasia, uh, it's called Skin a Rink had its world premiere and mm-hmm. it is a very unique film. It is a very unique and different and exciting film. Uh, you know, everyone who writes about it mentions the same potential issue, which is that the pacing is so slow. It's such a, (laughs) um, it it moves, you know, one person even said a a, a glacier like uh, pacing structure. (laughs) It's so slow, but the movie to me, when I watched it, I was like, I feel like I am watching a living, breathing nightmare. It's the only way I can describe it. And people have likened it to the short films of David Lynch in his, you know, early on in his career. Someone even said uh, it's poltergeist by way of David Lynch. Someone said that the best way to describe this is if you take the book um, House of Leaves by Mark Denizlewski. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Forgive me if it's not. But if you take House (laughs) of Leaves, this movie feels like House of Leaves, like you're going a little crazy. Um, It's a really unique and exciting film that was made for a low budget and embraced the challenges that it should have had and rather than create something subpar the director took those challenges and found a way to work around them in a way that felt unique and exciting and only added to the atmosphere and terror of the film so If you've got something like that that can be made theoretically over a weekend and it's getting this kind of attention and this kind of love, then then there's so many opportunities available out there for people to do their own incredible thing.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, like I've seen like horror films now. Like to me, I don't know. If I'm maybe like growing up and like understanding them more like on a deeper level. But I've noticed like same thing like you said where um, they hit different as far as like the stories, the the, the writing is just more deeper. And I think that's awesome. So hopefully, it continues to grow that way. Um, and then uh, one other question I had to um, I rarely ask this question, but I always wanted to, to hear what people think. So for you, like. Because obviously one of the main things in horror is fear, right? It's fear-based. Um, what does fear mean to you? And like, how, what do you think that horror fans enjoy, you know, that feeling of being
1: scared? It's a great question. I'll start with the second part first. Um, okay. I think the reason that horror fans enjoy the sensation of being scared is because we can still control it at the most fundamental levels. And when I say that, what I mean is we can literally turn the lights on. If a movie is dark and we're scared of sitting in the dark, we can flick a light switch. If it's too loud and the sound is getting to us, we can turn it down. If it's too much for us in the moment, we can hit pause and we can go and catch a breath of fresh air. We are always able to control the experience that we're having. And that level of control is, it's very empowering and it's, and therefore the scares are, we know that we can beat them. And it's the same thing with going to like a haunted house or, you know, in my (laughs) neck of the woods, we have like haunted hay rides and, and things like that. You know, it's the same thing because We go there and we experience it and we know in the back of our head, we can't be touched. And even if we are touched, we're not going to be hurt. There's nothing bad that's going to happen. I'm going to be scared. I'm going to be startled. Uh, You know, people are going to jump out of the woods. It's going to be amazing. Um, (laughs) But I'm going to be fine. I'm going to live through it and I'm going to be able to experience that adrenaline rush and experience the coming down from it, and then talk about it with people, and and have a communal experience. There's something really beautiful and yeah. and amazing about that level of control. For me, fear—what does that mean? Um, I mean, there's obviously the dictionary definition, but that can that can <laughs> go away for right now. Yeah. Um, I think fear for me. It really is about giving in and letting go. You know, I I mentioned when we were talking about subgenres, when I mentioned found footage, there's a title, gunjum Haunted Asylum. And I got the screener link. I was going to write a review for it. I got the screener link um, at like 10 p.m. The email came through, and I was like, I'll deal with this tomorrow. <laughs> and I went to bed, and for some reason, I woke up at like 2.30 or 3 in the morning, and I just could not fall back asleep. So... <laughs> You know, I, I go to my laptop. The room is pitch black. I go to the laptop. I put on my noise-canceling headphones. And I'm like, let's let's watch this movie. Let's see what it's all about. Mm-hmm. And I watched it. And when it was done, it was like 5 in the morning. And I was terrified. <laughs> I, I was like, I am not moving from this chair. Ter- I'm not even looking over my shoulder <laughs> until... The sun is coming through the curtains because I was that unsettled and and scared. And I hadn't felt that in a very, very long time because having been a horror fan my whole life and working in the horror industry, I have watched thousands upon thousands upon thousands of horror films. I wouldn't be surprised if it was over 10,000. Yeah. Um, so I don't get, I don't really get scared that often i still love horror but i'm not you know how much it scares me is not a criteria for me of whether or not i enjoy a movie um and so to experience that again was something really special and really exciting i i (laughs) savored it i sat there going this is amazing i don't want to turn around because i'm convinced that there is something behind me that's going to kill me and i know that that's not true i know that that's an impossibility yeah <laughs> but I still feel like it can happen.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, that's true. So. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I
1: think go ahead. That's what his fear is, fear is just um it's it's letting my it's it's letting go and letting myself allowing myself the opportunity to to believe in in that kind of horror again.
0: Yeah, it's like escaping reality for a little bit, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: Um and uh what what's some advice you would give to someone who's like, you know, beginning to get into this kind of industry like either directing or producing? What's one piece of advice or or a couple that you could give?
1: I mean, don't be scared. That's that's the biggest thing. People are I, I've seen it so many times where people were afraid to even reach out to someone with a question. And I always tell people, ask, send that email, make that phone call. The worst you're going to get is a no. And more often than not, you're going to get no but, and they'll find a way to to at least help you in some other way. So you may not get an answer from the person that you wanted, but they might direct you to someone who can give you incredible advice. Um, it it never, ever hurts to put yourself out there and to say, you know, here's, here are my intentions. This is what I want to do. This is who I want to be. This is what I'm trying to accomplish. And by putting that out there, you will meet other people who want to do the same as you. And when you have enough people, you realize that the only thing that's stopping you is yourself. You've got the team. You've, you can find the resources or, be inventive with your resources find a way to make it work and and then just go and do it you can the and th- from a technical perspective the one piece of advice i will tell every director producer filmmaker aspiring out there whatever uh there is one golden rule with film with tv with v- visual entertainment of any kind people can put up with poor video quality but they will not tolerate poor audio quality so invest into sound make sure that you're that whatever you're doing it sounds good because blair witch does not look good but the sound quality (laughs) is great and that's why it's okay so if you're going to invest in equipment by all means make it microphones make it uh field recorders whatever that might be and again the quality of the of the cheap models is still head and shoulders above the quality from a camera's onboard microphone or from your phone's onboard microphone shoot a movie with your phone go ahead do it just also have a field recorder nearby so that the sound is good
0: yeah that's that's good advice right there <laughs> um and what's what's uh your greatest accomplishment so far as a creative for you
1: wow um probably this documentary um yeah i it would have to be this documentary and it's not even done yet, mm-hmm. but just what we have so far has inspired myself and my entire team and and other people who believe in what we're doing um it's because of this documentary that I've been able to meet some unbelievable people and hear some of the most incredible stories um yeah I think I think I can safely say that this documentary is without a doubt the greatest creative achievement that i have that 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 i've that i've done
0: yeah that's cool um and then lastly before we uh, we get out of here um i kind of like to ask this to everybody like what kind of legacy would you like to leave behind either creatively or on a personal level
1: i just want to know that something like mental health and horror helps even one person. I think if if that happens, then I will feel like my legacy has been secured. Um, And I want to make sure that with every opportunity that I have moving forward, that I do my best to use that position of privilege and power Mm -hmm. to give opportunities to rising stars to people who are looking to take the next step to people who may not be given the opportunities by mainstream uh you know popular studios um you know I I really believe that by hearing from perspectives unlike my own by seeing the the way that they process information that they that they view situations it only enriches me and makes me a better more well-rounded person so if if by seeking out those people and and giving them platforms on the projects that i'm working on does that then then i will do it every single time
0: Perfect. Uh, yeah. Thank you again so much. You know for being on here, uh, telling thank you know you. Over your your journey, and it's really inspiring to hear your story. Um, obviously, we're, I'm very excited for the mental health and horror documentary, so I want to thank you for that as well. For I don't know, bringing those two topics together and uh, putting that as like uh, in the limelight, I guess you can say. So it's it's great to see something yeah. like that, like you said, to be able for other kids like, you know, us that we never got to see that when we were younger. So it's kind of cool to see that and very inspiring and, you know, keep doing that. We appreciate it here in the horror community. And thank you again for sitting down here with me.
1: Thank you very much. It was such a pleasure.
0: All right. Thank you. Um, And before we get out of here, again, uh, thank you to Jonathan for sitting down with me. Uh, This was episode four, season four of Nightmare on Sedgwick Avenue. If you like this episode, go ahead and subscribe to my YouTube channel or on any streaming as well. This is on audio format as well. And thank you, guys.